Welcome once again to Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. My name is Chris Levine, and I am honestly touched that you've decided to hop in and ride shotgun on this pop culture psychological adventure. Much like opinions, there certainly is no shortage of podcasts out there, and you chose this one. So when I say I thank you for being here, I'm being sincere. I really, really do. Now, this time around, we're going to be talking about the psychology behind color. Is there one for real? Do the colors of walls or curtains affect us in some realistic way? Well, let's find out. Now, we're going to draw heavily from the London Image Institute. Uh, There's an article on that website entitled Color Psychology, How Do Colors Affect Mood and Emotions? And it's pretty thorough. Uh, First off, It tells us that in its simplest terms, color psychology assigns emotional and psychological connotations between colors and emotions. Now, in popular culture, this is something that's regularly touched upon, even with just phraseology. For example, seeing red is a popular expression. That's getting mad. Well, how did this start? Well, it's widely thought that see red derives from bullfighting, when the bullfighter uses that red cape to deceive the bull. Another connotation between a color and a feeling is being green with envy. Shakespeare actually is thought to have potentially coined this in Othello with the line, beware my lord of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on. Interestingly, green doesn't stop there. The color green is also sometimes associated with being new at something or a novice. Why? Well, this is said to be similar to something that's green in nature. It just simply isn't ripe yet. In the black, what does that mean? Well, that means being successful. This refers to the accounting practice of recording income funds in black ink. Uh, When a business is in the black, it means it doesn't owe anybody any money and it's solvent. What's interesting, too, is that in the red is another one of these terms. But how about feeling blue? And that means sad or unhappy. Well, one idea is the naval custom where if a ship lost the captain or any of the officers during its voyage, they would fly blue flags when returning to the home port. And you know what? There's a ton of other theories as to why blue means sad especially when you tie in blues music as being a sad or pain-inspired musical genre. And we can keep going with all of them. There's the golden boy being tickled pink, gray areas, purple heart, a scared person being yellow or a white feather. It's very popular in pop culture. So let's delve into the psychology of specific colors and then discuss them. Maybe they will resonate, maybe not but let's see what the experts say about a couple of them. First, let's get into red. Now, red is often the universal color to signify strength, 
and power and courage, but also danger. So we have red stop signs and stoplights, but we also have like the red badge of courage. This list goes on. What about green? Well, this is the color of nature, the balance and growth. It's restful, it's secure, symbolizing harmony, healing and stability. So let's stop here for a minute. So let's say this is true and you want to paint your bedroom or any place where you intend to relax. Do you go with red or do you go with green? Well, the green from a psychological standpoint will literally help to calm you down. But then again, let's say you're painting a room that you're going to use as a home gym and you want to get in there and you want to work hard, red or green. Well, in that case, the red from a psychological standpoint would be more effective. But let's keep going. This again is from that London Image Institute article. Notice what is said about the color purple. It says purple is the color of imagination and spirituality, inspiring high ideals. It can be creative and individual or immature and impractical. It is also an introspective tone allowing us to connect with our deeper thoughts. It says that people drawn to purple are usually sensitive and compassionate. Purple implies wealth, even royalty, as well as quality, fantasy, and creativity. This tone heightens people's sense of beauty and their reaction to more creative ideas. It's kind of interesting. It says it's it's often used to denote a high quality or a superior product, and it gives this advice. It says, if you are in a service business, use some purple in your marketing to promote your premium service. On your next shopping trip, look for purple, which is a much more creative choice than buying another black jacket. Wear it with the confidence that you are going to look expensive and creative. Purple ties and pastel mauve pinstripe shirts that are purple for men are often favored by the more adventurous, creative dressers. Wear them with confidence if you are representing a creative industry, service, or product. I find this pretty interesting. In fact, the entire article mentions when it is best to wear certain colors in different situations. And you know what? Apparently, the BBC finds it interesting, too. Know no what they say about this. It says, you never get a second chance to make an impression perhaps resonates most in the workplace where bosses must exude authority but also friendliness to some degree if they want to be popular and the rest of us want to look professional but we also want to stand out it's also quoted as saying that your personal brand steps through the door before you do according to research from princeton university when we see a new face our brains decide whether a person is attractive and trustworthy within a tenth of a second. And the colors that we wear also have a big impact on how others quickly perceive us. For example, they say black can suggest authority and sophistication. But if you mix it up with a splash of color, like a bright handkerchief in a suit pocket for men or a colorful purse for women, the person can stand out from the crowd and still look sophisticated. I like this point too. It, it states that the color brown should also not be discounted because it often suggests that the wearer is reliable. Psychologically, for some reason, that's the case. Then it asks this, 
You ever wonder why the UPS service workers only wear brown and they only drive brown trucks? See, all of this interests me because it's so deliberate. Thought got put into this. But the fact is, and what makes this really interesting as a whole, as far as I'm concerned, is I don't think most people dress in specific colors at all for any of these reasons. A big reason is that we may feel a color simply looks good on us. And there's actually an underlying psychology to that, too. Psychology today tells us here that everyone has a different life experience. So as people increasingly experience pleasure in something that maybe they bought in a certain color, they'll tend to continue choosing similar objects in the future with the same color. And then this leads to kind of a self-perpetuating situation. It gives this example. It says, if, if you had never seen anything but brown tomato juice in your life, and that was normal and you liked it, you would probably shun the red stuff in favor of the brown. In fact, you'd welcome the food manufacturers doping your drink with an artificial chemical to make it even browner. And this is going to be different for different people. For example, while the color white is used in many Western countries to represent purity and innocence, it's also seen as a symbol of mourning in many Eastern countries. Something else of note here is the fact that the initial reaction to something is one thing, but you get used to it. Let's think of an example. Let's say you're interviewing somebody with a strikingly well put together suit and tie, perfectly tailored, just really great first impression. But if you start talking to them and they can't form an articulate sentence or act really nonchalant, this is going to take over for the suit and tie. So ultimately, color seems to matter as a first impression only. That's kind of the way I see it. You know, we can actually tie this into race as well. I remember talking to a guy when I was younger, this was in high school, who was a full-blown, unapologetic racist. But we both knew someone in common that was part of the race that he was prejudiced against. I asked him, why didn't he have a problem with that person? He said, oh, well, that person's different. I'm cool with them. It kind of struck me at that point that this person might be the only person of the other culture that this guy may actually have taken the time or had any kind of relationship with on a social level. Ultimately, because of ignorance, he only had a problem with the packaging of a person and what his interpretation of that meant to him in his limited scope of humanity. Once he saw the person, he didn't focus on the color of the person. He got over it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he still saw the color, but it didn't dominate the relationship once it kind of got out of the way. The psychology of color in general, to me, is similar. The right tie, the right purse or car color might make it an initial impression, but then we have to carry the torch from there. I remember as a kid sometimes going to work with my father, uh, and he was a prop maker at Universal Studios. On the studio back lot, I remember you would see a really, really impressive looking building. Like it would look like you just, you're in New York now, but you're not, you're, you're in Hollywood only to find that that building that you're looking at is a total facade. It's just a front. There's nothing behind it. There's no building to the building. It's cool to see, 
but impossible to get the benefits of an actual building from. I say that if we pay attention to the psychology of how we look, how we present ourselves, and if we dictate the colors of our surroundings in the psychologically directed ways, well, that's a great start. Why not? Not hurting anybody. But we have to take the ball from there as people and run with it and add some substance to it because that in itself will not define us or define our mood. Uh, the fact is that if we already feel good and have a degree of peace, this all may enhance that in our world. But if we don't feel good and don't really have peace, the color of a wall or a tie, it might be interesting for a second, but it won't supply lasting enhancements. Maybe initial, but not long lasting. So if we instead work on us, refine ourselves, get comfortable with ourselves, then that pop of color will simply become the icing on the already perfectly baked and simply sophisticatedly decorated cupcake. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that will be a nice soundtrack to your hopefully already colorful day. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, the Psychology of Color playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash the psychology of color. So let's get into it. Track number one is a song called Little Green by Joni Mitchell. Ironically, in connection with our theme, this song comes from an album that she released entitled Blue. It is about her uh, giving up her child for adoption, and it is extremely touching. The, the older I'm getting, the more obsessed with Joni Mitchell I'm becoming. Track number two is called Long Red by the group Mountain. Number three is Fade to Gray by Visage. I actually interviewed Lauren Duvall, who was in one of the later incarnations of this band a few years ago. Number four is Blue Spark by the Los Angeles band X. I was also happy to interview their singer, Exine Cervenka, as well. Number five is Pink Moon, the pretty little song by Nick Drake. Number six is Golden Brown by The Stranglers. Number seven is Yellow by Coldplay. Number eight is A Wider Shade of Pale by Procol Harum. Number nine is a song called Purple by Shuggy Otis. This is like the quintessential pool hall slash bar background instrumental. And number 10 is Choice of Colors by the group that once included Curtis Mayfield, The Impressions. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash the Psychology of Color playlist. Some have asked, by the way, about my old interviews. Where can we see them? Where can we read them? Listen, if you want to, shameless plug, you can go to the website lulu.com. It's L-U-L-U.com. And then just type in my name, in, in my full name, Christopher Levine. Everything is published there. So if that's what you want to do, great. If I know you personally, I'll be happy just to send something to you for free if you're interested. We once again can note some awesome new listeners to our show. A big hello to our friends in Arlington, Virginia. And in Metro Manila, Philippines, 
We also have Pompano Beach, Florida. Welcome to Refresher, everybody. We are so happy to have you. Listen, all, this show simply would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor and please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help to keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you may make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you are so inclined, I would be very happy with that. But whether you do or whether you don't, please feel free to just enjoy the program. No pressure, no strings. It's yours. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Biafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please do me a favor and take care. Do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.